Welcome to Talking Giants presented by Seeky. I'm your host Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Pennick. We got our last episode before camp. We have NYG Daily on. We talked to him for about 30 minutes. Um, and I want to clean up some uh, some Saquon Barkley stuff. Uh, Justin. Justin, I, I want to tell listeners this off-rip. We're going to talk a lot of Saquon Barkley in this episode. After this, we're really not going to. Like, we're going to just cover camp. You know, that's what, you know, I'm sure when we have the reporters on, we will ask them one question about it and try and keep it under two minutes. But we're not going to beat this. Like, I'm excited for camp. Hope Saquon Barkley shows up whenever he shows up. But I am not going to be spending the next month talking about Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Bobby Skinner, we're getting into it. But yeah, this episode is going to be like debriefing the Saquon Barkley situation. That's what the title of this episode is going to be. But after this... Starting next week, I believe for the next six weeks, it's PPPs. It's episodes two times a week where we're going to be getting the beat reporters in the van. And it's live streams after every single Giants practice that is available to the public, including we're trying to go to Detroit, and that's looking pretty promising. So really looking forward to it, really excited for it. Uh, Get ready because we're going to cover camp kind of better than everybody else. We recorded our first two PPPs, by the way, yesterday, and – I thought like that was like the best start to any PPPs that we've had so far this year. It was great flow, great rhythm, enough information, not too much information, super conversational. So um, we're, we'll kick it off with the longest tenure, tenure giant Sterling Shepard like we always do. Yeah, I, I got to go count how much content we have coming out in the next six weeks. So um, excited for that. First, this episode was brought to you by some special people. Kyle Schnitzer, my guy, Kyle, Tyler C., Tyler CD's notes, and then Kenneth M. Cirodiello uh, Esquire, very fancy. Wow, Esquire, huh? Esquire, E S Q dot. So go check them out, Justin. Go who are these people? Out. Esquire, isn't that? I wonder if he's a lawyer. E S Q is that abbreviation for lawyers? I went. I was a criminal justice major. patreoncom slash giants throughout the month. Plus some of the tiers you get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Um, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. And there's a couple shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com slash talking giants. Thanks for our patrons. Love you. That is a lawyer for your uh, information. Mm, uh, I was right. Before we get Weiss on, I, I do want to like you use the word debrief debrief on some of the Saquon stuff now that the dust has settled on it yeah. a few things he had that interview we'll talk about that a little bit is but I've I've pieced together the timeline of this pretty well and talked with people and I think this is right and you know obviously the reports that were out there tell me he was offered a solid deal probably the best you know either close to or, or the second best contract he was offered at the bye week and they declined it. Bet on yourself. And then the the offer, another offer, which was a little bit increased in average annual value, was offered before the uh, the, the the tag deadline. Well, now I don't know exactly when that was taken off the table, but they told him they were going to take it off the table if if he didn't take it because of obviously the Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley franchise. Like who's going to get the tag um, conundrum they were in, and they did not take that deal, Justin. Because I think the guaranteed money in it wasn't great, but it was a very high average annual value and essentially guaranteed him two years. Didn't fully guarantee two years, but essentially guaranteed uh, two years on it. And they really thought that the Giants were going to like, hey, if they want, like, they want to get this deal done, they're going to offer more. 
you know, the way that Daniel Jones did his contract, right? But the Giants, like we, we've talked about it over and over again. With Saquon Barkley playing the running back position and specifically him with his injury history, the franchise tag was a better decision on paper, even though they wanted to get a deal done. So when they called the bluff of like, hey, we're going to take this offer and it's not going to be there when we come back after the deadline, they called that bluff and they lost that bluff. And I think that's where Saquon got screwed over. And then they offered, um, you know, another deal with less uh, guaranteed money. And then the the twenty two million guaranteed money, but it was only eleven million per year. So really, essentially, just it was two tags they offered him, and I under I somewhat understand not taking that. But man, it I know Saquon's side will say, "Oh nope, if those deals would have made sense, we would have taken them." But to me, he passed up cash in his pocket uh, by not taking one of those first two deals—the bye week deal or the pre tag deadline deal. Yeah, and the so your your theory is, and I like yeah the the APY, not the guaranteed money, the APY has to be higher than twenty two million dollars. Correct? Yes. And it was thirteen million. It was thirteen a year. So, one of those so two. My, one so, of those two offers before the deadline was thirteen million dollars per year. So here's my question, and this transitioning to the interview that Saquon Barkley just had, the reason why Saquon Barkley declined the in-season offer and then maybe i guess the off-season offer but especially let's just say the in-season offer is because he said i want to bet on myself that i think that i can get more and then you're saying that he did get more with that off-season offer and that's why he declined the in-season offer because oh i can bet on myself and i think i can get more and i want to get more but it wouldn't they told you that they were going to take it off the table if you declined it. You declined it. And they told you that they were going to franchise tag and that was not going to change. Yet, you chose this path in a way. But isn't, like, continue to bet on yourself that even if it's not an ideal deal for you, the Giants aren't going to cut you after one year. And you brought this up with Weiss in, in a more extended conversation, but you're right. If you really wanted to quote unquote bet on yourself, take the higher APY if it's incentive based. If and if you truly believe in yourself, you're going to hit those incentives. You're going to hit those benchmarks. That even if the guaranteed money isn't so good, you can earn up to thirteen million dollars. If you've already taken this mentality of I'm going to continue to bet on myself, is that do you? Well, you're does that and make you're sense? and the whole is like, well, what if he gets hurt? Well, you're worse off if you get hurt on the tag, right? Because it's like no one's going to give you a big contract after that. At least you have like you know if if it, the guaranteed million uh, money was nineteen mil, say you guys have like a catastrophic injury this year, well he's got it nineteen mil. Well yeah, it's not the two tags, but you weren't going to get a second tag if you got a catastrophic injury this year. Yeah, I just um, found it to be so strange on that you know where I, he he went on. It's if you haven't listened to the interview, Saquon Barkley went on a podcast called Money Matters Podcast. There's this one guy Jack that has a shit ton of followers. He's like a financial guy. I guess him and Saquon are both like a Bitcoin, Bitcoin, guy. Bitcoin guys. And, you know, that's that's how that connection kind of started. They talk a lot of money. But also, you, you did get to know Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was honest about a lot of different things and, and, and stuff like that. So it was a cool interview to listen to. But that was just so strange hearing how I want to bet on myself. But you, I guess, taking, you know, declining all these offers and playing on the franchise tag is – continuing to bet on bet on himself that he's going to ball out this year 
and then get a bigger, like his goals to obviously get a bigger contract after this year. But that's not, that's not realistic with the way that the running back market is. And it's also not realistic with what the giants are. The giants are not going to offer him more money next year. They're not. You have to realize that. Here's the thing, Justin. And this is why pre deadline. And it's why I'm like, man, something doesn't add up. They were trying, like, because they asked for 16 mil in the start, right? Obviously. And they knew they wouldn't get 16 mil per year. But Saquon and them thought that they would get closer to 16 than 13. Where, like, 14 and a half may have been that number. Right? Because they kind of viewed, like, oh, the Giants' first offer was their low ball offer. But in reality, no. The Giants' first offer was, like, no, this is a good offer because we want to get you signed now. We don't want to have to deal through this. And, you know, it didn't get, you know, it didn't get better after the after the deadline. And that's where it's like, you know, post deadline, he obviously wasn't trying to get that same out, but pre deadline, I, I do think. Now, here's where Saquon Barkley is obviously hurt and where he does have a right to be upset about the Giants at the this Giants. This is a shitty situation, but he made a shitty situation a shittier situation. Yeah. And I, I, his, I think his agents gave him bad guidance. Um, Saquon is hurt. And this is where I. Th- I think he has a little bit to be bothered by at the Giants organization, even though the Giants did the right thing overall, is that Saquon Barkley wants to be a Giant for life, and the Giants organization communicated to him throughout these negotiations they wanted him to be a Giant for life. But the Giants never really gave him an offer that made him that showed that, you know, uh, an offer that would have showed that would have essentially guaranteed about three years. You know, or virtually guaranteed three years, even if it wasn't fully guaranteed. And they never gave that offer, nor should they have. But they also shouldn't have told they sh- told Saquon, we want you to be a giant for life. Like, yeah, we would like you to be a giant for life, but we are not ready to give you an offer because of your injury history to guarantee or make it very po- much more possible that you're going to be a giant for life. Yeah. And I think that's where Saquon, who has done everything the right way, has been Mr. Giant for five years that's where he's bothered is like man this is we preach family we do all this and you guys uh you guys were a kind of cutthroat with me yeah well at the end of the day um you know this is not dave gettleman's giants and you know if and if that and if that I agree. type of and if that type and right where this is it's cutthroat and it sucks obviously and we've we've obviously made that abundantly clear but i am glad that Joe Shane, he is being paid and he is hired as the Giants general manager to evaluate and assign value to with all players, by the way, on the roster. This is not just with Saquon Barkley. I am glad he has done that in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. It's just that's where that's the Saquon point of view from it. Yeah. Um and I and I kind of want to get to like and Saquon's very sensitive of, and reads everything oh, about himself too. Extremely sensitive, but I I had that note of you know Joe Shane is paid to evaluate and assign value, and I'm glad he's and I'm glad he's done that right around the same time in the interview where Saquon was talking about how um you know the 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 Giants gave him a comp. Do you want to talk about that and get into that? Yeah, actually, I do. So at the bye week, they gave him a comp when they're doing the contract, and he didn't say the exact players, but he. The ones who would be in the range of the contracts that he got were like guys he said like that aren't really used in the passing game. They're, they're, they're kind downhill of hand- runners. Downhill runners. And using context clues, I think it's Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. 
just because those are two of the you know the top five paid backs, um, and also their contracts match what the Giants probably offered Saquon twelve mil per year and twelve and a half million per year, and Saquon took offense to that because well he's views himself more as being involved in the receiving game and brought up like his reception total from his rookie season and this is where Saquon's wrong um because Saquon's not a great receiving back um and he brought up like well in OTAs they were using me as a receiver stuff like that and I you know I'd even drop five pounds for that well one OTAs are passing camps I don't think they're gonna be you know like they want to use you so they they use you in that but once camp started there's a very big difference by the way I'm sorry very big difference between did he clarify that the Giants told him to cut weight or did he just go and do that on his own because he, he thought he was going to be used one way? He he didn't say either way. So it could be the Giants asked him to cut five pounds. I got the impression that he just did it because of his because he thought what his usage was going to be. Yeah, but that is I, a very important distinction. Yeah. Um, but there's there wasn't a distinction made. So, right. but yeah, if right. you just listen to the interview, you'd probably think that he just did it on his own by the way he worded it. Um, and we talk. This is a talking point we had earlier. And I even brought up. A, I went and looked for the tweet I had of it. Is be first couple days, few days of camp, they were trying to get him involved in the passing game, and it wasn't good. It wasn't because he's not a good route runner, and they were doing it specifically in the red zone. And I and I, I had a tweet saying like they kind of need to scrap this because Saquon is not a great route runner, and they're because they want to use him as such a mismatch, especially in the red zone. They're having Daniel Jones like. That's their first part of this read. This is who we want this play to go to. And it's not developing well because Saquon's not a great route runner. And DJ was either forcing it to him or being late to get off of Saquon Barkley and having a bad decision or incompletion or interception on the second or third part of, uh, you know, progression of the play. And they, and you saw that in the Titans game, right? Where it's yeah. like, it's not, it's not Saquon Barkley's fault for Daniel Jones making a bad decision or throwing an interception, but it is where on him to be like, okay, well, this is not how we're going to use you, which like we saw in the Titans game. Like, was that a bad route ran by Saquon Barkley where they were trying to get them to bite on a flare route and he was going to go into the corner? Yeah, because they ran that play a couple times in preseason, showed that on film, showed that on Bill's film, trying to get them to bite. Was it a bad route by Saquon Barkley? Absolutely. But Daniel Jones should have dirted that throw. He should have thrown it into the stands, and Dan- that's on Daniel Jones' fault. But they changed from that because Saquon's not a great receiver. Now, you can look at his completion percentage and his reception totals. Like, dumbass Mike Tannenbaum, three were good receiver. It's all off of dumps and flares and flats. That's all it is. They're screen games. Like, he's not a Christian McCaffrey, so he should be compared to those Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. And this is where I'm going to get on Saquon a little bit. When you're like, well, I'm not going to be compared to those guys. Well, you should hope so because Derrick Henry's better than you. And he doesn't have the injury history that you have. And Saquon said that that they thought that uh, I would jump at that deal to buy because of my injury history. You should have jumped at it because your injury history, for me personally, is the thing that would worry me about giving you a long-term contract. Not the whole running back conversation, not this... That's what's that's what stops me from being willing to want to give Saquon a three-year deal. The injury. So, I you could talk about bet on yourself, but bet on yourself has you in this situation because a contract could have been done. Yeah, and again, the Giants literally told him that they're going to give him an offer, and then after that offer, that if they were going to franchise tag him, that they were not, they were going to pull that offer. 
and they and they did <laughs> and it just came down to you didn't believe them i guess and his team told him to not not believe yeah but about the receiving thing man um you know how many coaching staffs has there been and i get it you know two of the coaching staffs we haven't liked we did like brian dable and mike kafka last year um and they tried things in the beginning of the season that they thought would work and one of the things that I guess that they tried and one of the things that I guess didn't work was Saquon Barkley lining up as like a Christian McCaffrey receiver. And then they had to move away with it from it because yeah, it, it didn't work. And, and, you know, Saquon had to carry the load. You know, he, he mentioned how, you know, Oh, well, I started getting the ball 20, 20, 30 times a game. And I was 30 to 40% of the offense, but also you have to recognize that, well, that's not ideal. Like that was not the ideal offense that the Giants wanted to run. And it's also not the ideal offense that you want to run in the NFL. And I do think like receiving ability is not just, you know, taking swing passes out of the backfield and flares out of the backfield and, and stuff like that. Like there were, we have, we've had five years for Saquon Barkley to really showcase if he is a great receiving back. And I think, you know, we've talked about this time and time again, is he a weapon out of the backfield catching the ball? Yeah, I mean those swing passes at certain points last year was yeah. an extension was an extension of the running game. But is that does that make Saquon Barkley unique as a good receiver? No. No, he's a good threat in the passing game. He's not yes. a good receiver. If that makes sense because like you get Now, here's where Saquon can be a good receiver or used much better than receiving game, but this is where you know, this is where he's been hurt a little bit. And Pat Shermer's offense you remember the Washington touchdown? They ran him up the seam on a firmer four verts. They were, they like, Shermer did use him more in the passing game, but Shermer also would seven step drop and didn't have, like, didn't feel the need to keep the back end. Where the past couple years, Saquon's had to stay in for protection on the offenses that they're type of running. So, like, Saquon can be utilized more in the receiving game, but it's not because he's a great route. It's again, getting him open down in space, yeah. you know, and don't throw yeah. double moves at me as a, as a reason why. He's a good route runner, um, and but I'm that's really where glad. that's where the disconnect was because the top two highest paid are who McCaffrey and Kamara, yeah, sixteen mil, and then I think Kamara's fourteen and a half, and that's where I'm talking about. Like they were truly trying to get closer to that money than they were the Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, twelve to thirteen mil. Yeah. And I'm really glad that Saquon Barkley thinks like thinks this, like he should think that he's the best running back in the NFL. And he said that over and over again. He's like I. I know I'm the best running back in the NFL. Like, yeah, dude, like go out there and be a dog and continue to prove it. You know, I, I'm, I don't think we're here saying that Saquon Barkley should, oh, you should think that you're the sixth best running back in the NFL or the fifth best running back in the NFL. No, but right. it's Joe Shane's job to look through the weeds of that. You know, hey, the players should think that they are the best. Like I want that athlete to have that killer mentality, but I want my GM when it comes down to negotiations and assigning value, I want my GM to do a good job of doing that, and I think Joe Shane did. Yeah, yeah. So, but Saquon's hurt, man, because of you know the Giant for Life stuff. And as much as we want to talk about how well this is about the future, I understand the feeling of like, look at what I've been through for the last five years. Now this is a situation Gettleman fucked him with and put him in, but and it's like, and now you want to, you want to nickel and dime me. Now you so I understand that like I understand that feeling of like what he did last year and how much he contributed to winning last year and then them playing hardball. I like I understand that feeling like he should be pissed off. Um, but at the end of the day, has anything changed for you? Because obviously there were we talked about it. 
the report these they're gonna they're gonna say he's not might not show up and he said in that interview like i know what my leverage is is to say f the giants and f my teammates but even every time he says that he has to preface it like but everyone knows that's not what i want to do i don't want to do that like yeah I, 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 he's showing up um he's gonna show up yeah i agree i agree you know there there is still part of me i, I started off the last show and the saquon show saying that hey you know there is part of me that Things like working out like a two-year deal that's barely more than the franchise tag. Like, would, would that have really been so difficult? And maybe we're going to be a couple months from now saying that, but um, here we are. He's going to show up, and uh, if this was any other player but Saquon Barkley, this would not be a story. But because Saquon Barkley has such – there's such emotional ties to Saquon Barkley, and he plays running back that, you know, they get – the ball handed to them so much and Saquon Barkley, you know, on a, I'm going to get really salty right now, but on a third and 17 can have an amazing 14 yard gain. And wow, that's an NFL highlight that goes for an entire week. Um, people care about this a lot more than any other player that this could possibly happen to. Um, I've anybody missing camp in New Jersey is a big deal. No, but no, but I'm saying the the reaction to this. Well, and it happened to three running backs at the same time, so that's what also makes it the running back conversation in general. Yeah. Um. But all right, let's get into this interview with Weiss first. This episode was brought to you by Tell me who SeatGeek. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. Preseason tickets are on there. Go check out the preseason Giants. Like, If you're someone who maybe struggles with affording to take your family to a regular season game, which I I don't envy you, um, like preseason is a great time to get there, and your kids will never forget that. I'll never forget the first preseason I game went to, and it wasn't even the Giants. It was the Bucks, first NFL game I ever been to. Bucks Patriots. It was the year after. It was the year after we beat their ass in Super Bowl Forty Two. They always want to make sure you are getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. You'll be glad you did. And here is Weiss slash NYG Daily. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the show. Last episode before camp, we're having on NYG Daily Weiss. What's going on, man? You pumped for camp? Bobby, Justin, yes, I'm very pumped for camp. Uh, to see you guys, more importantly. Haven't seen you guys much this offseason, so it's going to be fun. It's a fun training camp. Yeah, so you're you're going to some of them, right? I am. Uh, going to be there Thursday and Friday, and then kind of head back home toward the weekend and then come back probably Monday or two Monday, Tuesday. And then uh we'll see. Maybe I'll stay for Wednesday too, depending on how I feel. Mm. Yeah. I mean I'm mean, I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be a, a fun time um getting into all that. But we want to talk Saquon Barkley stuff. 
we really didn't even put together an outline for this interview, but I don't also don't want to go make this an entire Saquon episode, but starting off with it, did you think he was going to end up on the tag or did you like think a deal was going to get done? So I don't like to play insider. I'm not an insider, but you know, people talk and I, I had heard Friday afternoon, like, listen, both sides are going into the weekend thinking, Hey, we're going to get this done. We're, we feel pretty comfortable. We're close enough. It's going to take some, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours type thing, and we're going to get this thing done. And by Monday, 4 o'clock, I'll have a deal. So I put out a tweet just like, hey, very, feel very confident about this. Have a great weekend. But then Monday came around and, you know, I started asking other people that cover the team and, you know, asking other people that sort of have, you know, connections per se. And I was like, how are you guys feeling about this? What do you guys think? And, you know, the, the, the sense I got was, uh, we feel good, but... You know, we'll see. So I was really surprised. I was really, really surprised. I thought for sure that this deal would get done because I thought the Giants would come to that magic number of 22 million guaranteed, which is two franchise tags. And they did. Um, if they were at 19.5, I don't think that they would, you know, thought that they would get to that 22. And when they did and Saquon declined, I thought reportedly um, it was surprising. And that's why I was, I was, Pretty surprised this thing did not get done. Um, but, you know, it's this, this negotiations, right? You know, you you give a little, they give a little, you try to get close, you try to get a deal done. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Uh, and uh, in this case, they didn't. Yeah, I always thought it'd get done because there's just more cash flow on taking taking a contract. But now, I'm at, now I've kind of, like, I, I, again, I, I'm not believing any bluff of him not playing week one. No. Now I'm in the like, okay, what happens if he has another good year, right? Because franchise tagging him again would be pretty dirty business. Um, and that's that has to be the goal for Saquon, is to get into next free agency without the franchise tag on him and get into the open market because that's where he, he's just going to get his best deal, you know? Um, that's the only way this is a win for Saquon Barkley if he's able to get a similar contract or even a better one that uh, he was offered this past offseason, next offseason. Um, and I think he, he is hurt, right? Like, And this is where I do think the Giants did him wrong in these negotiations. Is Saquon wants to be a Giant for life. And they told him throughout this process they want him to be a Giant for life. But they don't. They would like him to be, but they're not willing to offer him a contract to make him a giant for life, right? Like, hey, if it works out that way, good. And I don't think they should offer him a giant for life contract, you know, which would be, you know, four years with two years fully guaranteed, you know, uh, high average annual value. I don't think they should do that, but they kind of told him that throughout the process and they the negotiations, did the, the money and the contracts offered didn't show that. Right. And I and think they- that's where Saquon's hurt the most. And if they gave him a two-year deal or if he accepted whatever two-year deal they were giving him, it gets a lot easier to negotiate with the running back that's maybe on like the back end of 28 who maybe understands the reality of things and maybe Saquon Barkley takes some steps back within the next two years, which I think is inevitable. And then he's not negotiating from the fact that I touched the ball 352 times this year and I basically was 30% of the offense. It gets easier negotiating from, from that way. What do you think, Weiss? Well, I, I think what Bobby's saying about him being hurt, I think you have to go back to before the franchise tag was placed. I think the Giants really, really pushed to get a deal done. And 
look, I'm not a salary cap person, nor do I know the exact deal that was offered, but if they offered him 13 million a year, or let's say 13.5 a year, like some of some of the stuff that was reported, what is that? What do you think the guaranteed dollar is? Is it? Yeah, let's say it's 19 million guaranteed. The Giants are not going to cut him after one year. Exactly. That's my point. You know, it's like so, just because it doesn't reach that guaranteed money that you want, it's yeah. but it's virtually guaranteed to you unless you have the most distri- the worst injury of your career and they are in a position where they want to flat out cut you, you're getting that money, which is why I'm like, I don't understand this from your point of view, Saquon Barkley. Right. Even when they, you know, again, I know, hey, I understand. It's, it's the guaranteed money should match fr- two franchise tags, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't. And this is where his agents screwed up is that they really thought the Giants would come up. And when they said, this is our, our, we're taking this offer off the table, they called their bluff and Joe Shane was not bluffing. So that's where I don't have the, this, all the sympathy in the world for Saquon Barkley. It's because you were offered fair deals that would have get, made you high average annual value, would have made you the third, you know, paid more average annual value than Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. But, but you turned that down. And that's, and that's where I, I don't feel bad for Saquon Barkley is that you, your agency, I think led him astray a little bit, thought that the Giants were bluffing on that and that eventually they would raise on it. And the Giants really didn't want to. Like, I bet you it's like they, in their, because the franchise tag is friendly for the Giants, they're like, no, we didn't, like when we say we're taking this off the table, we really do because we'd rather do that than do the, uh, give you this big contract after we gave Daniel Jones. That's or why after I, we didn't have to use the tag on DJ. Yeah, that's why I believe the Mike Florio thing to a certain extent, where they told him, "Hey, look, if you don't accept this deal, it's going to come off the table." It because is true. Even bef- yeah, even before that, we heard Joe Shane said himself, "Like, hey, there was an offer and we took it off the table." Now we know the reason why is like, hey, they wanted him to take the deal before the franchise tag was applied. But I mean, look, they 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 tried. I, like, I think people are looking for like who to blame, whose fault is it? Ah, you know, Saquon's agent's fault. Look. Do I Saquon was five minutes away from becoming unrestricted free agent? You know, like he was five minutes away from becoming unrestricted free agent. Yeah. So if if he didn't, if he, that five minutes went by and Daniel Jones doesn't sign the deal, the tag goes on Jones and Saquon goes and he can bring an offer back to the Giants that, you know, pays him 14, you know, 13, 14 million a year. And who knows what the Giants do? I can't blame him for taking that calculated risk. But when you take a risk, there's a chance that it backfires and it backfired on you. So you got to live with it. You got franchise tagged. The Giants continued, I thought, to negotiate. Apparently they got to that $22 million. And at that point, it's like, you know, they're not going back to that pre-tag deal. They told you that. So miscalculations, sure. Risks that failed, sure. Do the Giants' ego kind of get in the way too? Do they not want to put that deal back on the table? Sure. Do the Giants say, hey, look, the franchise tag is what it is. We're comfortable taking the heat for, you know, the duration of training camp with the questions and the drama and all that. Sure. But look, they didn't get the deal done. So it is what it is. You have to live with the the, the results of, of from what happened with the negotiations. Would you? Because they can't obviously get a long-term deal done. Would you be willing to negotiate a one-year deal with him, which you can do, and have a stipulation in it that, hey, you, we cannot franchise tag you next offseason to get him listen, into camp? Listen, the CBA is the CBA. I think the franchise tag sucks. 
I listened to the Money Matters podcast. The guy gave 15 different analogies. <laughs> Saquon should get a four-year, $500,000 yeah. medium yeah. income home deal. Yeah, I, I listened to all that. He, the guy made he made valid points, but it's everything we knew. The franchise tax sucks. It is what it is. But it's collectively bargained. It's agreed to by the players. I can't blame the Giants for using it. Like I can't. It's not like they're doing something illegal. If they come out and say, hey, we won't tag you next year, I'm fine with it. But if they come out and say, hey, look, if he has another good year, we have the franchise tag at our disposal to tag him again and control the negotiations again. I can't blame them. We can talk about the human element of it. Sure, the, the franchise tag sucks when you talk about the human element of it. It, it, it. What that guy said with cost control and all that, it is true. But it is collectively bargained, and I cannot blame the Giants for saying, hey, Saquon, you have another good year? Guess what? Here's another tag. The franchise tag will never go away because it when they're doing away. the CBA, 98% of players never, ever have to think about exactly. it. How many, how many players deal with the franchise tag every year? Six yeah. or seven max? Yeah. yeah. And also, so, but, something that that podcast didn't really fully get, um, and I understand like the guy is interviewing Saquon Barkley, but like I'm listening to it as a Giants fan. I'm not. I'm a Giants fan first. I'm not a fan of Saquon Barkley first. I'm not a really. Right. Uh, I'm not a fan of any player before I am a fan of my favorite football team. And something that like, it's not. I get why they don't realize it, but something that like we all know is that if there is a way for my favorite team to get ahead and to be financially responsible for a player that has injury history and for a position that has a lot of baggage to it to begin with, I want my team to utilize that advantage. And that's what this franchise tag is. It it would be organizational malpractice if they say, we're not going to use the franchise tag because we don't want to hurt so-and-so's feelings. Like, yeah, you know, like, I'm sorry, but you bargained it. It was agreed upon. My my question though is they can negotiate a, a one year deal and they could put it in the contract that he cannot be franchise tagged again next offseason. Would you be doing? Would you do be willing to do that to get him into camp? No. Why not? No. Yeah. Why? You, you're telling me take that ten point one million dollars, increase it, or add incentives? Well, just, no. Like then- make it you know ten point. You keep it at ten point one. And but you put a stipulation he will not be franchise tagged next offseason well, and he well, gets he comes in the camp. Let me ask you this. Let's say he has a good year, right? A great year, depending on how you how you would look at it. And they make the playoffs and they, they get on the precipice of going to the Super Bowl, hypothetically speaking. And you get to the offseason and you're like, Okay, I I gotta make one or two moves and I'm right there again. And one of those moves includes keeping Saquon Barkley for another year, right? Or making sure that I retain yeah. Barkley and then add another piece. Like you can't. It's still really dirty to do it twice, though. It's really dirty to do that twice. It is. I, I listen, when you have no again, intention want, of giving him a long-term contract. If we talk about the human element, it's dirty to do it once. It's not I mean, that dirty to do it once. You do it a second time, you are totally screwing this guy out of ever getting a long-term deal. If he has a good year then, this year, he'll get a nice, he'll get a nice little deal from somebody. Human element of it, I think it sucks because I think Saquon on the open market could fetch a good deal for himself that pays him the annual average average salary he wants and gives him the guaranteed dollars that he wants. I think there would be a team that would do that. But from from a football perspective, why put yourself at the, at a disadvantage like that? Like, okay, let's say 
the giant. But Saquon have, could go scorch earth if he get like if, if and I wouldn't blame him if he got a second contract. Sure. Go scorch earth, demand a trade, okay. like not play Dem- Mister Nice Perfect. Guy. Demand a trade. Saquon demands a trade. At least you're getting something back for him. If you tell him I'm not going to franchise tag you, all that does is you eliminate a tool that you have at your disposal that where you can either keep the player or get something back for the player. So uh, part I, of me I just think thinks it's worth it to have him in camp and not pissed off. And well, and I, not... I, th- I think he'll show up to camp at some point uh, in August. I don't think this is a see you in September type thing. I think he'll, he'll be at camp at some point, whether he'll take part at what capacity, I don't know, but I think he'll show up at some point. It'll be a hold in. I'll say that. I think that's he'll just, event. I mean, Weiss, that's a good point because he he feels the heat of like people. I mean, and he and he's like he's felt that for years. Like we know just from certain interviews that he's done. We know that he's been on social media a lot, a lot recently. Um, he's very conscious about his reputation, and you know, there he could miss camp for two weeks, and he could see tweets of people starting to turn on him, um, which I know Bobby wants yeah. to talk about a little bit. And you know, the more people that start to turn on him. I think he may feel that and he may he may show up in, in August. I, I inevitably like if you had to, you know, really put a gun to my head and make me make a prediction, I think he shows up in September. But you know, hey, a lot of those those tweets, and if that's something that you pay attention to, it's it's going to get to him. I predict he'll probably show up the week of the third preseason game. Okay. That last ten days or week or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see because there's most players you would just be like, all right, he's gonna show up week one but he's going to play. But with him, he is very hyper-focused on his image and especially with the New York market. And he understands all that. And he, like, he reads everything. He can be sensitive about that stuff. That's going to be very interesting to see how he specifically deals with it. It's all the negotiating tactic, too. Like, hey, you tagged me the first time. I'm here. I didn't skip out on all the training camp. If we have a good year... Next year, people are going to remember that, and people will bring that up when, you know, they they inevitably judge the move of the Giants tagging Saquon again if it gets to that. Yeah, Giants also have uh, some other good players on expiring contracts this year too. You know, with Adore, Leonard Williams, Xavier McKinney, right. um, more so than than last year where it was just Le- actually Leonard no, they had DJ Saquon and uh and Love, but even Love not on any of those guys. Uh, uh, level. All right, let's let's get let's move off Saquon and let's let's talk about Please. this offense because I I don't think we've talked to you since you know they've made all their offseason additions. Um, I think this is a great way to start conversation. Who leads the team in receiving yards? Darren Waller. Really? So you think he's going to stay healthy? He's going to be the number one guy in this offense, and they're not going to you know work through somebody else or anything? Um. The health part is a concern, obviously, but if he's healthy and he's out there, I mean, they're they're paying him a lot of money. They traded draft capital for him. They obviously have a plan for him. I think, you know, he's their guy. He's their number one, quote-unquote, receiving option. He is still a superstar. Yes, Like, he is. watch him at the yeah. end of last year while hating that coaching staff, while yes, that is. team being in total disarray, and watch him play. And it's like, this guy still has it. Um and that's when it's like also when the Saquon conversation comes up, like they got carried by Saquon last year. It's like, yeah, well, one, I agree. Who the, who the hell did you want them to run the their majority of their offense through? Darius Slayton? I don't, I don't think they James? got carried, but I don't agree with that. Well, no, but but he was Saquon. their main weapon. 
Sure, yeah. It was absolutely. their main weapon, and obviously that's the majority coming on the ground game. But that's a problem, not a solution, though. Right. I agree, but people forget right. that Darren Waller's on this team. So yes. if Darren Waller can stay healthy, man, that makes this offense just so much different. Like, that dude's a freaking star, and it's why I'm so excited for him. Like, I, it's just like if anyone – it's like Andrew Thomas stay healthy, Darren Waller stay healthy, because then I feel like this offense can do some damage if, if those two guys stay healthy. Is he the top player that you're looking forward to seeing the most in camp, or, is, or does somebody else, like, make the cut? Evan Neal's the player I'm most interested to watch in camp. Most excited? Yeah. Darren Waller. Like, yeah. I am excited for to talk about Darren Waller in camp and watch him cook dudes because he's going to yeah. do it. Twice. The Evan, the Evan Neal stuff, a lot of people are going to overreact either way, right? Especially the one-on-one stuff and the highlights. I, with Evan Neal, I'm like, I'll see you in week one, and we'll see where we are in week one. I'm not going to get too high or too low based on what happens in camp or the limited snaps in the preseason. I, I kind of disagree with that. Why? So I'll let you keep rocking, but I kind of disagree with that because the same things in which Evan Neal struggled with during camp and pre, I'm not going to say pre camp, like those camp practices of not being able to get out of your stance and stuff like that. That's what he struggled with during the regular season. Obviously you don't want to provide any like big indictments on anybody during camp. Like, yeah, we'll see in week one. We'll see what you look like when you actually get out there. But if I'm still seeing that he's laid out of a stance and, you know, maybe he can't get to his third step without opening up his hips and stuff like that. That's something that that will be like a red flag because that is what he struggled with last year. But I agree. Like, Hey, week one, like if you're playing well, um, you know, who cares about camp? So. Yeah. But yeah, Darren Waller to me, I, I think sometimes giant fans are forgetting what kind of player the, the team acquired. Like this is a legitimate skilled player that can, that you can have as a number one option and he can sort of open things up for other people. And I think he, if he's healthy, knock on wood, I think this is going to, he's going to be the team's leading skilled player in terms of yardage. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, obviously like we have some wide receiver talent on the team right now, but no one is in the level of Darren Waller. Um, Like what he does is truly amazing. And he fits Daniel Jones for the most part, right? Where Darren Waller wins at with his route running. You know, he wins at the stem. He has really good releases and makes himself open where it's not like, all right, you're going to have to throw this ball and this guy's not open, but he's going to be open at the, by the time he gets the ball gets there, or he's going to make a contested catch where it's like, no, this guy just gets open and makes it easy for your quarterback. And uh, I mean, truly going to be the best weapon that daniel jones has ever had in the passing game uh and i'm excited i'm i am truly excited for him like i just please stay healthy please stay healthy because i'm so hyped up but it's like it's the hype with the scare in the back of the head like the guys missed a lot of games the last two years too can i tell you the other person i'm very excited about hmm. daniel jones yeah i hope he has a good camp this year because last year was really bad to watch yeah it was and, and you know the Ty Dunn story that came out? We talked about this on a mailbag last week. The Ty Dunn story about how, you know, they made the practices hard on pause, yes. on purpose and stuff. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Well, one, I don't know how true that is. Like, did they do that for a session? I don't think they did that for four weeks, right? Like, that would be pretty dumb to just be putting everything just to see how the guy's built. But even if it was 100% true they are doing it all the time, when did Daniel Jones look his worst last year? 
beginning of the season. Beginning, he's, and not just played bad, like looked yeah. uneasy. Like it was the first yeah. time ever I came on a podcast. I'm like this guy just does not look comfortable playing quarterback. It looked like he was going to get benched at some point in the first six weeks of the season. I'm not going to lie. Those fir- like- those first two games were bad. Now the Dallas game, he he um he played well despite everybody. That was the old. That was like the traditional like prime time. Daniel Jones is doing like this ridiculous shit, but they lose because everyone just starts dropping the people, ball. And shit. People don't understand that game. They were so close to coming back and tying that game. That was a close game in the fourth quarter, despite everything that was going on. Kenny Galladay like, dropped two passes. Yeah. Sterling Shepard dropped a 25-yard pass. David Sills David slipped Sills. and fell and yes, turned into yes. an interception. Graham yes. Gunnell was... missed a 40-something-yard field goal early yes, in did. the game. So yes. if if it wasn't for a Graham Gunnell missed field goal, that final drive to end the game would have been for a win. Yes. Yeah, that was a that was the that was like how many times because when the Daniel Jones primetime record comes up now, there's been some bad ones like the two Monday Nighters versus uh, the Bucks. Right. But how many is like primetime games where it's like, man, this guy is gritty as hell. He's freaking getting blown up while delivering tight passes, but they're just dropping them. Like how many times had that happened? And that, that Dallas game was a, a perfect example of that. Well, the, 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 the Green Bay game, that drive was sort of his moment, right? It was, yeah. it was a primetime game, but it wasn't, really a, it wasn't really a primetime game. It was like a 9 a.m. game. But I really believe that if two of those things that you guys mentioned or one of those things don't happen – that Green Bay game is being talked. That Dallas game is being talked about, like how that Green Bay game is, because I really believe that was the, the that was sort of like when it all clicked for him, and he was like, okay, even though um the the, the pressures and all that, he still had his team in, in a position to win the game. And, yeah, he played well from the Dallas game he, on. Now there's some a little some, blip he made here some and insane, there, but... but he made some insane throws in that game, and he made some great plays in that game. And even though it didn't translate to points and it translate to sustainable drives, I just thought it was for me. It was that moment when I was like, okay, like, okay, I'm more interested to see this for the rest of the season. Like, if we can not have him get pressured on what was it, 33 of however many that game was nuts. I remember he was like running for his. That that was so funny. It's like we're two and one. The two games that we won, Daniel Jones played bad. The one game we lost, Daniel Jones played well. Yeah, so. That game was where it all came together, and that's why I'm looking forward to seeing him in year two, more continuity, more, you know, better pieces around him, competent coaching. Like, that should excite people. Like, he had a I – was, I was thinking about this. I was in the car with myself, and I was talking to myself, and I was like, this dude from the start of the season to week three to week six to week nine had different wide receivers that he was throwing the ball to. And when they found a little bit of continuity after the trade deadline when they got Isaiah Hodgins, he played his best ball. Even though there were, he, he had it was to the find first the time they could run 11 personnel and it wasn't like laughable. Right. Like as soon as they were able to find some continuity with their receivers and everyone had a role, Daniel Jones got better. He got to the playoffs, won a playoff game. And I think a lot of that's being overlooked for, for some reason. I, I don't know why, but he, if, for me, as somebody that hasn't been a stark supporter of him for the for his entire career, I'm very much looking forward to him this season and seeing what he can do uh, with a stable coaching staff, no changes, better roster. Like that excites me a lot more than some of the other things that are being mentioned. 
when do you think the media will slow down on i I keep on coming back to saquon i'm gonna do my best to not be annoyed by them can like and and i said that at the top of the show it's like we're gonna talk about saquon a lot on this episode after this we are not gonna be scumbag reporters and try and get headlines out of saquon every single day of camp we're gonna talk about camp and what's happening at camp um justin do you have anything you wanted to touch on no no um weiss uh, i'm i'm excited to see you i lost my microphone in the in the middle of this recording because my computer's crapping out so i'm looking forward to seeing you and um yes. we're gonna we're gonna break down this team um you know i know the last couple of weeks has been like very saquon heavy but I'm really excited to get with you and, you know, hopefully we're seeing this offense and Jalen Hyatt and all these kind of new additions, Darren totally Waller, Paris Campbell, and seeing Paris him rocking and rolling. Yeah. Paris Campbell is my guy. I, I, I have very excited to watch Paris Campbell in this offense. I was looking at some numbers for um, Hodgins and I saw Campbell. Ooh, you had like the third highest completion uh, percentage or catch rate against zone coverage. Very nice to know. Um, and that's the kind of stuff you learn in PPP season. Um, what do you guys got co- coming up with the podcast or anything coming up the pike with you guys? Yeah, we got some guests lined up uh, as we sort of get to the regular season, have bring on guests to you know help us preview the season. What the thought process is of, you know, what the outside world thinks of the Giants. I think Giant fans sort of have this expectation, excuse me, where it's like, you know, they're, they're, they got to get back to the playoffs, potentially win a playoff game. I want to see what the outsiders think. What do they think about their offseason, their draft, their decision to keep Daniel Jones? And I think it'll be it'll be nice to see what the outside world sort of thinks. You know, it, it's a lot of mixed bags about the Giants offseason. I, I thought it was a great offseason for them, both free agency and the draft. So I, I can't remember who we were talking to, but it was like basically they set out everything that they wanted to do except get a wide receiver one, but there was really no avenue to get a, a legitimate wide receiver one. So, I mean. There wasn't even a wide receiver traded that you could look at and say, damn, I wish we did that deal because Mo- that's a wide receiver one. Yeah, DJ Moore was traded, but obviously yeah, that's not a that deal we could have done. Of, right. Would you have traded the 25th pick for DJ Moore? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, okay, yes. me too, me yeah, too. Yeah. I love DJ Moore. Bonafide wide receiver one, yeah, I would, I would have traded those – me too. If as long as they're young, um, right. which DJ Moore is. All right, we will. Uh, well, we'll see you in camp. We'll get you on the van for your official record prediction. Yes. Mm. So make sure you have that ready. I um, didn't get in the van last year. You, your, your guy Julian was like, "Hey, stick around here. I want to get you in the van." So I yeah, they took around. the van away from us mid fan fest last year. <laughs> and the van drives off. I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> um. All right. We'll. Uh, well, we'll see you next week. I guess then. Yeah, we'll definitely catch up. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your <laughs> Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you to NYG Daily. Weiss for coming on the show. Excited to see him during training camp. Excited to see our boys go out there and compete next week. And, hey, excited to kind of not uh, not talk about Saquon Barkley, at least for a couple weeks until he shows up. So this episode is sponsored by Miracle Made. Did you know? that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your overall sleep quality. And oh boy, do I know it. I'm schwitzing in the bed. I'm schwitzing at night. If I don't have my, if I don't have my AC cranking and my sheets can sometimes get all wet, not good. I don't like schwitzing at night, but miracle made, even if I don't have my AC kind of blasting at night, 
because it has like cooling technology. I don't know if they do, but guess what? I'm saying they do because I sleep with Miracle Made sheets and I know they do. So that's awesome. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding. Boom. It's right there. Temperature regulated bedding. So you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It's self cleaning and designed for your skin. They're luxurious, they give comfort. And they give quality. And if I had to give three pillars of my life that I live by, it's being luxurious, it's being comfortable, and doing things at a good quality. So try miraclemade.com slash giants. I want you to go to that site to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40% off. And if you use our promo code GIANTS at checkout, you'll get three feet free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a free refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash giants and use code GIANTS to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash giants to treat yourself Treat yourself. Thank you to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. All right. We will be back next week. What day? Every every single damn day. Every single damn day we will have a podcast. Every single weekday at least. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The week after that, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because the Giants preseason games aren't uh, on either Thursdays or Sundays, which messes up recording schedule a little bit. But for the next six weeks, every single weekday you have a podcast. Uh, So you have your player profiles and projections, offensive and defensive player uh. You know, Monday, uh, Wednesday, Thursdays, and then Tuesday, Fridays will be camp uh, recaps. And also, uh, we will have an interview on every single, you know, Tuesday, Friday pod. So, very excited for it. Excited to see you guys. Make sure to come say hello to this camp. If you want to be on, like, a, you know, Instagram reel video, let us know. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.